y'all, I'm Maddie O. And I'm Jay Kales. Coming at you from Black Box Studios with Click. A podcast all about the Black sitcom. To tap into your nostalgia. Shed some light on the cultural implications of these shows. And in doing so, dive deeper into the lessons and messages of the shows we know and love. This podcast is a product of English students at Auburn University in Alabama. This episode was recorded Sunday, September 16th, 2018. This podcast is part of a larger project to examine Blackness as it is portrayed on the screen, the TV shows we grew up with, their implications now, and how they have impacted society and commented on the humanity of Black folks as a whole. Here are the Black Box Studios. We have a three-part code of ethics that will ensure that our conversations are, as a whole, socially responsible. So number one, we will always put humanity first. Number two, we will respect and honor the differences of those around us, even when we disagree. And third, we will extend sympathy and empathy to our fellow men and women, even in our criticisms. This podcast will be divided into four sections each episode. The first section will be called Pass Me the Remote. Hey, pass me the remote. Pass the remote. This segment is where we get on the couch, settle in, and get ready to decide what we will talk about, whether it's specific episodes, scenes, themes, or topics. Just like when you and your family plop down on your favorite spot in the living room to decide what to watch, Pass the Remote will be an outlining and preliminary conversation about the episodes and scenes that stand out to us or are thought-provoking in some way. The second segment is Real Talk. Okay, so Real Talk. Okay, real talk. This is about diving deeper into the episodes, scenes, and themes that we bring up during Pass the Remote. It's about to get real academic and real nerdy real quick. Real quick. We will pick apart the episodes and themes in order to discuss their relevance and impact in both their respective time periods and today in order to have a fruitful conversation about representations and projections of blackness in the media. The third segment is On Second Thought. Um, On Second Thought. On Second Thought is where we look at problematic things within episodes that gave us a moment of pause. We will ask questions like, was this good for the culture? What are the implications of this today? Was this problematic? How is this problematic? How can we reconcile this? Should we reconcile it? What can we do to ensure that our language moving forward is both inclusive and respectful of the humanity of those around us? And finally, shout out to our cousins down the block. Shout out to our cousins down the block. Shout out to our cousins down the block will give homage to folks doing great things for Black people, the culture, and humanity. So, let's, let's get, get started. started. Hey, passing the remote. So today, we will be talking about the significance of the Black sitcom and basically why we are dedicating an entire podcast to it. So, J-Kills, pass me the remote. Gladly. What were some of your favorite Black sitcoms growing up? Girl, um, <laughs> I'd have to start with Fresh Prince for sure. That's a given. Moesha, I loved her a little bit. Sister Sister was probably hands down my favorite 
And I cannot forget about the boondocks. Okay. But those are just a few. What about you, Mattio? Okay, so like you, some of my favorites were Fresh Prince, which is a given, duh. Duh. Family Matters, because, you know, the nerd in me really identified with Steve Urkel. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the Cosby show, like a few episodes here and there. And, okay, don't judge me. I won't. We don't like to talk about her. We don't claim her anymore. Hmm. Who? Oh, you know who. That's uh, so Raven. Uh, it was everything to me. No. I okay, know. but like I'm there with you as well, so. Right. I can't. <sighs> yeah. That was it. That why, was the show. Why'd you have to go down that road, man? A single tear. <laughs> and the Proud Family. Oh, yes. Oh, wait. The Proud Family, that, that was it right it there. It was it, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, so within those, what were some of the themes that stood out to you? I guess I definitely have to start with the black family as a yeah, whole. for sure. Um, that was very, very, very common, so I'm excited to get into that portion of it. Um, but there was also black beauty, mm-hmm. black sexuality, the black middle class, um, black class struggles. Yes. And black parenthood, for sure. Right. And even, even within black parenthood, we have black motherhood, black fatherhood, mm-hmm. uh, friendship, black love. Most definitely And relationships. Love. Right. And religion pops up, too, in other sitcoms like Amen and Thea, which will be discussed in later episodes. Self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And more. Just so much more. So, how about we talk a little bit more about why it's so important that all of these themes were put on TV for the world to see. Okay, so real talk, though. Alright, so real talk. So, Jake Hells. Let's talk about some of the themes that we were discussing in Pass Me the Remote. So why is it so important that we saw the Black Family Unit on television? I think it's extremely important that we got to see that because a lot of the American-style families, the two-parent households with two kids and a dog, were portrayed by white families. And, you know, having that as the standard so we're able to redefine what it is what family means in from our point of view. So do you feel like what you saw was accurate? I think it was accurate, um, not in respect to the kind of way that I grew up necessarily, as far as I came from a single-parent household, I had one brother, no dog, that sort of thing. But it's kind of expected for black families to be broken, right, if we're going to use that terminology. And it's expected for white families to be whole and have both parents so being able to see that it is realistic for black you know families and for black people to have those same kind of outcomes in life I was like look we do have we can we have we can have a piece of the pie just as well um I think one of the things that stood out to me in Fresh Prince for example was like blending in the family and so he's coming from wherever he's coming from all the way over to this new family and this new style of living and yet they accepted him for how he was. And, and I see that a lot in black families in the East. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back to one little term you use that I think we can define better for the listeners. Yes, so you said a piece of the pie. Okay. And so I, I know what you mean, but like maybe not the listeners won't know what you mean. So I, I'm assuming you meant the American dream, right? I meant the American dream, yes, ma'am. Um, I think that there are certain terms that can be coined or, or um, attested to the American dream, but as far as 
what comes to mind for me is lots of money. You know, you're well off. You have a whole family. You have you run a business, or you know, you have success in in a way that has been defined by the white man. Yeah. And and seeing the black family on television, I was like, well, look, the white man said, you know, we couldn't have these kinds of things, but we have them just as well. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. When I picture the for lack of a better word, the classic American dream. Mm-hmm. You you envision white picket fence and two story house mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. mom, dad, daughter, son, and a dog or something. And so, yeah, I think that is super important. And oh, actually, we have somebody coming stopping by the box today. Oh, yes, uh, Bree Thomas is here. Welcome to the show. Welcome hey to the show. guys, happy to be here. Um, yeah, just jumping in with the with the family thing. Just kind of a side note. I used to always equate having stairs in your house as like having money. Like if Girl, you had yeah. stairs in your house, you had made it. You were rich. You were it. And I used to be so envious as a child that we did not have stairs in our house. And like was like, why can we not have two stories? Like, even if people had a storage closet upstairs and nobody really lived up there, I equated having two stories in a home as having space and space being a luxury. Um, And so having extra space to do random things and people having playrooms and computer rooms and offices in your house, to me, meant that you had space to not waste, but extra as a luxury. Well, yeah, because time is a luxury, right? Yeah. Like, having leisure space kind of connotes this idea of having more money and being more successful, for lack of a better word. Because when you're successful and you have leisure space, you have leisure time, what, at least from, you know, just coming from my own experiences, my mom had to work all the time, all the time. There was not really time to just you know, sit back and and have time to, like, pour into her passions or things like that. Now, we always made time for church, but throughout the week, there was never, hey, let's go and, you know, sit in the living room or our family room or our playroom or our mm-hmm. office and, you know, chill out and watch a show or whatever the case may be. And so it's like the higher up you are yeah. or the closer you are to the American dream, the more of that you have. Yeah, yeah. So say that so one of the other things as far or one of the other shows as far as the black family is concerned is definitely the Cosby show yeah. um, which I feel like it kind of represents all the things that we've been saying yeah. um, but I want to mention the proud family so growing up I lived with my grandparents um, before my grandpa died and it was out of necessity right we couldn't afford to live on our own, so we stayed with them. And seeing the Proud family, I don't think Grandma lived with them, but she was dang near there, like, all the time. It might as well have been. And it used to be something that I wouldn't say I was ashamed of, per se, but it seemed that something was off on my end because I had to stay with my grandparents. But, like, growing up and, like, seeing this on TV normalized it for me and then having conversations with other people who didn't have to have their grandparents you know, like, or have to live with their grandparents, but seeing that close-knitness, I never really saw that in white families, especially on TV. Um, so that was another thing I wanted to kind of point out. What about you? Um, just thinking about my personal family experience, I 
I would, I, I would guess that the Proud family is the closest thing that comes to what my family was. Because mm-hmm. coming from a mixed race background, I growing up, I never saw a interracial couple. I never saw myself or like my family experience on the TV. Right. But with the Proud family, I guess with the diversity in color, mm-hmm. that reminded me more of my family in a way. Yeah, there were shows, like, I remember watching The Nanny, and Fran had, like, a crazy mother, and, of course, they called her Ma, and, like, it was very obnoxious and hilarious, but um, she was batty, and she was always around, but it was very clear that she lived in her own space, and they lived in their own space, and so watching shows like The Proud Family, like Jordan said, the grandmother was always there and you kind of get that she has her own house, mm-hmm. but also you kind of get this normal idea of sugar mama is walking around in her house coat <laughs> with a cane and her slippers on. Right, right, right. So, and she just came from downstairs. So does she live here? And so for my friends who lived with their grandparents, um, it's interesting that you talked about embarrassment because for them, I know a lot of them saw the proud family, like, Oh, like, my grandma lives with me, too. And, like, she does crazy stuff like that, too. Like, she yells at my dad when he does stupid stuff. Like, whatever. So I think the Proud family, for a lot of people that I grew up with, was very much a a breath of fresh air for them. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that I wish I would have had. Because I never, so my dad's black. I never knew my paternal grandmother. And I just feel like the black grandmother brings this unity to a family that... I don't know, you just can't really get anywhere else. Like, you, I feel like you learn, like, your your cultural background, like, from your grandma. Yeah. And he just passes, like, recipes, yeah, recipes. And my grandmother knew how to sew, and she was a civil rights activist and, like, went to college in a time where, like, that was just really unheard of and did a lot of really cool things. So I agree with the fact that a, 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 having a black grandmother, from my experience, really brought this cohesion to like to my life and kind of changed our whole family dynamic and also with having a black grandmother I know it is so common like you can tell when kids have been raised by their grandparents because they got like an old soul yeah and you'd be like what do you mean why do you (laughs) what are you doing why are you doing things like that and they'll be like oh like my grandma taught me this and I'll be like oh okay like for a long time I drove really really slow because my grandmother taught me how to drive so it was just Things of that, like things like that, are what um, I think my grandmother added to my life. Yeah, and I guess you kind of see with the Cosby Show, like a shift towards having more patriarchal roles in the family. Because mm-hmm. when you think about, I know the family owners that we're that we're discussing with kind of grandmothers at the center. If you think about the raising in the sun, for example, like Mama is very much the head of household until she chooses to pass it on. All we can all agree that the presence of the black grandmother was so significant in, or is still so significant to the cohesion of a family, to the progress of a family, the success of a family, and just like that family orientation. And yet, what we see from the Cosby Show, what we see from Fresh Prince, and what we see from other sitcoms that we'll get into later down in different episodes is that the man, the patriarchy, becomes the that that rock that foundation or that stability or the model right the picture that's painted so that was just what you think so 
was like, yeah, yeah, Ooh. that's where I was going to. How do you feel? About the shift towards the patriarchy? Yeah, the shift. I feel like I want to save that for on second thought. Okay. But I feel like let's, I agree. Yeah, let's keep on, let's keep it moving. So what other themes did you kind of want to touch on? So there's black beauty. Okay. Um, what have you noticed of black beauty or what stands out to you? In Black Beauty, as far as like the Fresh Prince or Sister Sister, Cosby, Proud Family, any of those? Things that I need. Sorry, I'm trying to think. Go through the episodes in my mind that I've seen. I think I'm going to go ahead and say this part. Yeah. We have to talk about the Unbids, which, of course. Okay, we do. Um, we have to talk about that. And we can come back to the colorism aspect in a sec- on, a, on second thought, but I think one of the most ironic parts, or maybe not even ironic, but a lot of people talk, oh, well, they went to light skin, Aunt Viv, and, and, and everyone talks about all the reasons why we love dark skin, Aunt Viv, and it was crazy because the other day I was listening to the read, and they actually brought up this very conversation, and, and they were mentioning things about dark skin, Aunt Viv, that, you know, made her leaving the show so, you know, like, hit them in a different way than having, like, light skin on them. And some of those were, like, her talents, her sense of humor, her intellect. Um, And I think when a lot of people, when we get into what beauty is and how we define it, we never really define beauty by those inherent characteristics. Like, it's always an outward thing, and I think seeing that with Fresh Prince was something that, you know, has to so defining beauty from within mm-hmm. rather than on the outside. Mm-hmm. Okay, but at the same time, I feel like just just seeing a face that looks like yours on TV or hair that looks like yours on right. TV is just life changing for young black girls and black boys. Because okay. I, it that's all you can say about it. We can hop down to sister, sister. Sure. Any things that pop out to you there? Um, I would just say that we see the curly hair. Yeah. We see the bright skin. We see um, all of those things. But and for me, I guess being a light skinned gal, I used to get asked all the time if I was like mixed and stuff because I was light skinned. Um, and so when I would watch Sister Sister, I was like, Are they mixed? And it seemed that only mixed girls could have certain characteristics, but of course, blackness is a spectrum, as we discussed a lot in class, and, and that doesn't just come with with characteristics about like how we act and move and things, but that like blatant characteristics externally and like how we are and, and how we're made up and things like that. And and so when I would tell people like, no, I'm not light skinned, and they'd be like, well, why do you have those eyes? And, why do you have that hair? Why is your skin so bright? And I would like describe my parents. It was kind of shocking. And so it was kind of ironic that these sisters, right, these twins, they're adopted, one, so those aren't even their like, biological parents. Um, but kind of like, it's like if you look a certain way, your parents have to look a, a certain way. And, and so that was just... Yeah, I think that's a really common theme that we kind of get from whiteness in general yeah is that you have to look like your parents oh and you can't look like anything else but black women are remarkable in the way that 
any a black woman of any tone can make a black child of any tone with a black man of any tone. Like, I'm telling you, it really blows my mind sometimes. Like, I have a friend who we would say is light-skinned who married a guy who is very dark-skinned, like, like, very dark. And they have this really sweet caramel-colored baby. And everybody was like, but wait, like, how did you and you create this baby? And then I have friends who have two dark-skinned parents, and all of their kids came out lighter-skinned, and it was just kind of like, wait, what? My mom and my dad are both lighter than me. Yeah. Like, and so it's just kind of like, well, this is, this is just kind of how it happened. Like, my grandmother's lighter than me. Um... My grandmother on my maternal side is lighter than me. My mom is lighter than me. My dad and both of his parents and all of his brothers, except for one, are extremely fair. Yeah. Um, and I have one uncle who is like a, a nice brown color like I am, yeah. which is just so random to me. No, that, that's exactly how it works on my dad's side. Like my, uh, let's see, let's go down the lineage. So my great-grandfather was very, very dark, and then my grandmother was very fair mm-hmm. and then my dad's very dark and but his brother is like medium brown chocolate color and so it's just I don't think people realize first of all how genes work first of all like put a punnet square up there but get, get you a punnet okay. square figure it out okay it's not for up to up to us to tell you how exactly. it works dominant and recessive traits are real and I don't know how they work because I don't do science mm-hmm. but right they do so don't ask me how it is what it is Right. But I think people have, I don't understand why it's so hard to understand that there is no one single type of black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have, okay, so I'm just thinking about everything we just said. So we're talking about skin color, right? And we see, but we also see curly hair on TV. And we see curly hair on the light skinned people. And we see straight hair on dark skinned people. And I just want to say, I hated every single time I got a perm. I just want to, that was just not a thing for me. And so, like, getting them and then seeing people's flourishing hair, and I'm like, well, why can't I just be unapologetically black in my hair? Because that's what they're doing on TV. But then I'd see, like, dark the darker-skinned people would have their hair straight, and it's like, okay, can you not be dark-skinned and have your curly hair, too? Or, or things like that. So that was just another thought that just came to be, in the, and I just want to know who set the standards. Like, who said this is how you have to be beautiful? Well, I think that kind of goes back to, like, our... Well, let's just go back to the media in general mm-hmm. and what is put on TV. So we're bombarded constantly by what white consciousness says is beautiful. Right. And so in that way, we're, we're being overshadowed by white consciousness in that way. And by white consciousness, I mean, let me try to define this real quick, but I don't know, the, the, the system of thinking that, I don't know, okay, let me start over. Mm-hmm. For whiteness to even thrive, it has to demean another set of people. Mm-hmm. Said that. That was it. That's really that was and that. So, and, 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 and by nature, it has to overshadow, right? For it to live, to have teeth. And so, 
for it to, for, in order for someone, it, it's, it almost seems for, in order for someone white to be beautiful, it means that someone who's not can't be. Yeah. I think it's almost out of fear too, right? Because over and over again, we see throughout history how black hair has been politicized oh, to yeah. the point of no return and policed. Um, there are children in schools now being told they can't come back right. unless they cut dreads off. Really? And I'm like, what are, but what, what are you, huh? No. And then we see in the seventies with the black power movement, we see people embracing their natural hair mm-hmm. as a form of political protest. And it's, it's, it's like white people, why can't I just wear my hair how I want to, just like you wear your hair how you want to. Like, is it so threatening to you that my hair can be both curly and straight and nice in both realms and flourishing and nourished? And you just don't want either of those things to happen? It is almost like, we'll just take the fro. Something that is, that seems like, that can't be contained, controlled by them is a threat. Yeah. And the fro is the perfect metaphor for that. Wow. Okay, that was actually pretty exceptional. Sorry, I appreciate that. Whoa. Well, <laughs> like, that that it, yeah, it is. It is. Me neither. <laughs> um, but another thing I wanted to say that has to do with this conversation in particular was something that James Baldwin said. He said that I am not the Negro, but you need me to be. And so that makes me think about black beauty so much because I, as a black woman, am not ugly, however you need me to be. And that just kind of goes back into white consciousness and how it needs, it requires others to be inferior in order for it to be superior. Hey, edit in a horn right there. Somebody killing them a fire symbol or something like, ooh, shoving flames. Like, that was it. Like, I am not your Negro, how you need me to be, where you need me to be, or what you want me to be at all. It's just disheartening because we are playing into it. Not all of us, right? Of course, not every single black person plays into that, but... That's where the second place comes in, though, because... Uh, I, I feel like... Should we define that, the sunken the place? The sunken place? Do it. It is... Okay. Let's do it. Okay, based on our definition of white consciousness, it is where white consciousness overshadows, in your mind, your black consciousness, okay. your, your wokeness. So you cease yeah. to be woke, and you are sunken into white consciousness, into this place where you believe what the white man says about you. Simply because they say it, like... Yeah. You don't even need no facts. No facts. No nothing needs to merit what they're saying. Just the fact that they said it. Whew. It's a tough space to be in, too. Yeah. So I guess the last thing on black beauty that I kinda wanted to mention is the bad kids, like the, the, the blue girls. I forgot what they're uh, gross, gross sisters. sisters. Gross sisters. Still so we talked about it in class. Yeah. And we said the blue represented the Ash, right? Like they were ashy. Okay, whatever. I thought because okay, this is probably wrong. The ash thing is probably correct. However, I thought that they were like. Okay, I'm just walking through my thought process with the gross with the gross sisters and what I thought they were trying to do, okay. which is problematic. Should be on should be in on second thought, but you know what? Here we are. This Here is we where are. we are. This is where we are. We're gonna have to go outside the lines a little bit, even though this is the first episode. Um, so I thought that the gross sisters being blue kind of connoted this notion of blue-black, like, too dark in a way. Okay. And then they called them gross. And so that, in a way, they were saying, like, okay, 
black is beautiful, but not this type of black. Don't be this dark. You Don't be, be this dark. dark, which is crazy. You can't be that dark. But, you know, it might have been the ash thing. I so. definitely think it's probably a combination of both, though. Like, so dark that you were, in fact, a bluish black color. Yeah. And also, if you're this dark and you are ashy, you are also some blue sort of tint. Which, like I said in class, I... When, when I finally, when that, like, hit me, I was like, the, the ashy girl's bullying him? What? Like, I, that didn't make any, that didn't make any sense to me. I was talking to my mom about it, and I was just like, it blew my mind because where I grew up, we never would have let somebody ashy bully anybody. Like, you start trying to, you start trying to bully people, and you ashy, like, people would have clowned you. Like, yeah. Joe know you all day. Like, no matter what you say. It can't be valid because you are ashy. <laughs> Don't say anything else to me because you're ashy, boy. 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 You're ashy. Okay, I'm probably actually going to get crickets for this one. And in class, we were talking about ash. We were talking about blue, black a little bit. But what I got from the concept of them, and I don't disagree with anything that you guys said. It's just another, you know, like another talk, take on it. But that maybe they were blue. Because they were the bad kids and they were more susceptible to like police attention. And we, we see that the police are blue, right? Like, you know, we represent blue lives matter, black lives, those kind of things. And so it kinda of made me think that maybe they were more susceptible to like police coming in, giving them a hard time and things like that. So, you know, I'm not gonna knock it because you're not gonna knock it? No, because I mean it, I don't know if that's like the first thing that the creators had in right. mind necessarily. But if you're moving this to a 21st century now context, mm-hmm. you could, I would, I buy the argument. Woo child, the fan theories. Bro. I buy the argument. I'm actually kind of on it too. I'm not even going. I thought you were about to say some problematic shit. No, 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 no. I thought it was going to be problematic. No, no. Of course, like, well, okay. Um, on second thought. All right, here we are on second thought. We kind of dipped a little bit into that a little bit earlier but we're gonna really just talk about the problematic stuff now so where do we where do we begin with the problematic stuff honestly there's just so much we can even even mind this well i guess we can talk we can start with the patriarchy since that kind of came up last time boo okay down with it okay so I guess my first question for you is, what signifiers do we have that hint at the patriarchy? Oh, well, Cosby Show for one thing. What? What specifically? All right. So, I just recall, I can't remember which episode number it was, mm-hmm. but it was one of the first ones we watched in four class. And it was when Denise was going on a date. Right. And he stopped her and he says, hey, where are you going? And she was like, on a date. And he was like, with the, something to the effect of, with those pants? And in the same episode, he was like, oh, Theo, you're going to have a girlfriend, right? Right. So I was just kind of like, hmm, what's going on here exactly? Okay. So, yes. Yeah. And I think, just, and we'll get into it more, okay. but hitting at the, the jeans, because I think it was because she had rips in her jeans or whatever. Okay. Let's let's tag that into the hypersexuality. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, combination Rape as well. culture type of deal. Yes. Um, so as far as patriarchy, some of the signifiers for me when it comes to the Cosby Show 
are in the intro as we discussed in class how everybody kind of crowded around his face and and did like the little jazz hand numbers that <laughs> kind of made him the the central theme of where this whole you know series is going to go and like, then we can look at look at me even though the show is named after me can i just right. say that now yes. with the state of where bill cosby is as a person it is so incredibly creepy that there are hands in front of his face that he just like looks straight to camera. I don't, it makes me feel disgusting. I don't like it. And it freaks me out now. Okay, I have a quick question. Okay. Okay, so a friend recently told me this could not, this could be completely untrue, but one of my friends recently told me that they will not run the Cosby show on television anymore because of what he did. And I, I guess going back to our conversation earlier about how important it was for us to see black families on TV. Is it to our detriment that we're not showing the Cosby show or to our benefit for not allowing a man who did all this stuff to be on TV? Honestly? Isn't that crazy? I've had so many conversations with people about separating Cosby as the man. So the, in my opinion, druggy, druggist and rapist. So let's put that out there for me. Um, And Cosby and and Cliff Huxtable. Okay. Um, Cliff Huxtable was a great dad and a wonderful husband sometimes. He was kind of crazy. But, like, they turned black family into the new normal. Yeah. Like, for, I mean, like, my mom told me that everybody stopped to watch the Cosby show Thursdays at 8. She still knew what day and what time. The show played because that's how monumental it was. Exactly because that was it brought black family life to everyone, and she was like the kids at school weren't as terrible because they thought that they had some kind of glimpse into black family life. Yeah, but Bill Cosby to know at the same time that he is drugging women, like, do we uphold him? in this monumental wrong? Honestly, I I don't know what the right answer is because none of our politics are perfect in a way. But, like, to me, it's almost like he he already made his money off of it. I mean, and now his name, Bill Cosby, the man, his name's already, I mean, tainted. Mm -hmm. But... But is it tainted? I don't know. Because I feel like we're almost in another R. Kelly type situation. There like, you go. That's people very true. do not believe R. Kelly is problematic, which blows my mind because he literally peed on a person. Literally exactly. married Aaliyah. Like, come on, Mike. What are you talking about? There are multiple accounts of people saying that they have been held captive at his home, like, and people still support him because of entertainment value. Mm-hmm. So then, why should, then I guess Cosby should not be the, be an exception. But see, not to maybe them. Cosby should be the exception. Maybe he should be the reason that we rethink the things that we will put up for when we say we're going to, oh, we're going to, like, boycott so-and-so because... H&M, we're going to, is it H&M or is it Forever 21? We had like the monkey on the shirt. Which H&M. Happened? We were like, yeah, we're going to boycott them. And then we didn't. Um, yeah, we're going to boycott whoever else because they did this other problematic thing. And so we get so used to people 
not putting the actions behind their words. So why don't we start with Cosby? To be honest with me, like Cosby the Man and, and Cliff Huxtable, it kind of moot, moots, or yeah, I think it's moot. It kind of voids out everything I watched in the show. Not maybe not everything, because that's a little intense, but it kind of makes me reconsider, right? So, okay, so do you want to not have the Cosby show on TV mm-hmm. or have it on TV still? Um, not. Not? Okay. Because yeah. I was thinking the same thing because if we're talking about R. Kelly, like, his yeah. music was problematic anyway. Like, he did, like, very the rape, Pied Piper. Really rape culture really fuck. sorry. Oop. It's not really, yeah. really weird. <laughs> really very weird. Really Key in the ignition. So... Uh, I'm cringing. Like, why? Why? But y'all, people in Skybar love ignition. They at one point we did too, though. Y'all bounce, 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 bounce. Right. Okay. I'm uncomfortable. Are y'all uncomfortable? I I actually am. (laughs) Okay. But do y'all remember? Do y'all know who the Pied Piper is? Yeah, he's like he's the guy with the flute that like attracted all the children yes. in the fairy tales. Yes. So okay, it's just I googled this and it says that he was supposed to. It's in. It's a German legend. He's supposed to rid a town of rats by luring them away with his music, and they didn't pay him, so he lured away their children instead. That's crazy. What kind of sick person? Calls themselves the Pied Piper of R&B to, to lure people's children away from them. I mean, just... He was literally talking about children. That's exactly. Somebody please tell me if you don't think it's problematic. Because we need to have a discussion. A like, real discussion. Go to the Facebook page and comment, please. Oh, wow. Let's just take a moment. So, something I was thinking about, if you're looking at an R. Kelly versus a Bill Cosby. So, R. Kelly put out music that was obviously problematic in and of itself, and is an openly problematic figure. And then you have Bill Cosby, who was trying to put up this front, which is awful. Which is but, worse. But I'm not, I'm not, the question's not which is worse, but like, so do we keep the Cosby show because it put out content that was beneficial for its audiences, despite some of the, you know, things that we have to have pause, you know, second thought about, like right. the patriarchal, right, cultural things that were in the show. Do we, and I'm not saying I agree with do we keep him on TV because of the content that he made was wholesome? wholesome. Why wow, you took the word out of Wholesome. I'm going to have to say, I think our listeners should decide for themselves because I cannot answer that. Yeah, it's tough. For you guys. So we'll um, leave you with that question. Yeah, Facebook page, click yeah, C-L-I-K at Black Box. Yeah, let's start a conversation and we want to hear what you what you all think. We really want to hear what y'all think. Because we don't know what to think. We keep going around in circles about it. I'm just, I'm not with Bill Cosby, but I'm, no. I am going to say what he did at his trial, the little looking back thing, that was a hilarious That, that was in, we were, everywhere we went, we were looking back, we were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That was the perfect, the perfect noise for that. Right. Okay, so do we want to keep talking about the patriarchy? There's one more thing I wanted to mention. Okay, um, yeah. So from the article that we read uh, that about Bill Cosby um, and his, his like cry for the black men to get back into the families and stuff, at what point 
did we in America? Because I don't think we see it a whole lot with with, on, with white families on TV, but like the need, like you have to have a black man Ooh. for the success of a black family. Like I haven't thought about that. Who said that? Okay. Okay. So this is gonna. I'm gonna jump from like Lorraine Hainsbury to Blackish. Real okay. Quick. Okay. So if you think about what we just read with A Raisin in the Sun, mm-hmm. Walter Lee just has this need, this desire, this. She characterizes it almost an innate thing that he has to be the head of the household. Mm-hmm. And then you see it's almost as if what people like Walter Lee were, were striving for is actualized with the Cosby show. But then we move to Blackish, which is one of the black sitcoms at the moment, mm-hmm. where Dre, Andre, is trying to do the same thing. Like he is striving for this, or he, well, he had, okay, so he's kind of this weird mix of Cosby and right. Walter Lee, right? Because he's, he, has the money that Cosby has, maybe more, because they live in lavish, mm-hmm. right? But he also is in this struggle, kind of competition with his wife and his mom, even his own father, to be the man of the house. Mm-hmm. You see Cliff coming in and trying to do things and yeah. figure it out and kind of being the problem solver of the show, even though it's literally Claire's job to... To, to litigate. Yeah. Okay. So how do you, how do y'all see, or where do we see the hypersexual, hypersexualization of black women come in? Girl. On these TV shows. Oh, oh girl. Okay. So y'all Not know. even just the TV shows. In the, this is a regular thing in the media, in hip hop culture. It, it's everywhere. Can we start with Serena Williams? Sure. Um, sis, first, if you're listening, Serena, are you there, Serena? It is us. <laughs> For real. Sis, sis, you it. You are it. Um, in every aspect of whatever it means, you are it. Um, I think hypersexualization in the in this dispute about her cat suit. She looked damn good. It is a desire y'all, to control her body. Exactly. Y'all are mad because Serena got mad curves. And because you wish that you looked as fit as she did. Have y'all seen the picture of her in the catsuit? I was looking like her at her like, oh my God, yes. And then she turned around and I was like, yes, sis, for the curves, for the culture. Show them a black woman and her beautiful body. Like, It kind of goes back to this whole contradiction thing. No matter what you, no matter, no matter what you are, You'll never be the baked potato. Yeah, yeah. You'll never be the baked potato. You're wrong for being the baked potato, or you're wrong for being the regular potato. They both taste good, and at the end of the day, you get the same result. I just I don't understand, like, you want me to be, like, I'm a potato, and you want me to be a crinkle-cut french fry, but you don't want me to lose any of myself. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to lose the thickness of a regular potato. But you want me to be a crinkle-cut french fry. What? Huh? Y'all, and then you want the seasoning salt, and the, I, don't, I don't know what you want. What? What do you want? <laughs> I just, I, sometimes I just want to ask, and I'm, and I'll say like I am personally, I love black men. They're amazing and wonderful. They do some problematic stuff sometimes, but they're black women who do problematic things too. But I always want to ask. So just at this moment, just now, just tell me what you want. Like, what do you want this to be? Because I think that you're going to set. Say you're going to have this expectation in your head and you're never going to share it. And then we're going to be on different levels and I'm not going to know. 
And it's because uh, the patriarchy allows them to do that. The patriarchy allows men, like I said earlier, to have a standard and to have a preference of what they want and to to do whatever possible by any means necessary almost to get exactly what they want regardless of what that means to the black women or women in general that they harm in in the process and this is kind of like what i'm about to say is kind of going back to the patriarchy in general Mm -hmm. but like if i if we if we're thinking about black men in these tv shows and what they're after they're after this sort of white man's american dream white man's patriarchy that they want what the white man has but they're, they're trying to we're trying to liberate ourselves yet we're constantly striving for what they have yeah. but you like audrey lord said you cannot dismantle the master's house with the master's tools right so living in this mindset where what we're striving for is i don't know this white standard of being right we'll, we'll never I, I think at the end of that good times episode and i would know it was the jeffersons okay we're like have you really like how we overcame, but nobody told me. Right. Type of thing. Like I know that was supposed to be a joke at the end of that show, but I just kind of feel like we're still we're still overcoming these. We, we overcame slavery, but we're still overcoming the ide- ideology behind it in a way. And so I think that this is part and parcel of that. Sorry, and I'm only bringing up a new topic, but we can go back and forth. Um, is the idea of rape culture only because you just said the master? Yeah, and and, and, and it, it kind of ties. It literally ties with everything. But okay. Because I don't, I don't think that you can drop it. Drop your drop it. Um, but <clears throat> as far as rape culture goes, and uh, and and knowing how that we get mixed babies. <laughs> okay. To use that terminology, um, from a white master raping a, a slave back in the day, right? And and how we have on TV that. Like, it was her fault, right, back in the day or back in slave times for, for looking how she was looking, for enticing the master. And, and on TV... Can I stop you? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so just from, like, a his, I'm a historian, right? Yes. Or aspiring to be a historian. So, like, if we're trying to not tear down the master's house with the master's tools, right. I think we should stray away from even saying the word master. I, I, I usually write slaveholder okay, when slaveholder. we're writing. Because master... If we're still calling it the master, like, are we, I don't know. Have we left that? Have we left it? Yeah. Yeah. So continue. Sorry. No, that is a gem. Y'all take note if you're listening. Um, But yeah, so the slaveholder raping the slave and here we have on TV or the things that we, not even just on TV, just in our pop culture things that we've seen as far as the woman getting blamed for wearing certain things or being in a certain headspace or, or being inebriated or being in this you know, wherever she is, and if she hadn't been there, if she hadn't been doing this, if she hadn't been wearing this, that would never have happened, as opposed to the man just taking the fault for doing something that he shouldn't have been doing anyway. Shout out to our cousins down the block. All right. Welcome to the first installment of Shout Out to Our Cousins Down the Block. Yay. So I would like to shout out my line sister, Miss Jennifer Eaton, she is, she just got, in the past, like, two weeks, I think, uh, top five for Miss Homecoming at Auburn University, and she's the only black woman of the five. She did that. She did that. Yes. So I wanted to shout her out because it's, I think it's important for black women to be acknowledged for their greatness on a predominantly white campus. And I think you are too. You are correct. 
I want to follow along with the theme of shouting out women who are in the political-ish spectrum realm. Um, and I always and forever will want to shout out Angela Rye because she is a boss. She is, as Dr. Charles would say, black on purpose. Um, and she, I love what she does, um, work woke. So like, don't just be woke and, you know, be here and kind of chilling in your wokeness. Like you got to work. Um, and she is great about putting words to action and calling out people. Like, I don't think she, I think she still has not eaten Chick-fil-A since I met her two years ago. You met her? Yes. Wow. A boss. A true boss. So shout out to my cousin, our cousins, down the block, Angela Rye. So it's your girl, Jay Kells. And my shout out this week does not go to a political, you know, person, but she's an inspiration for me. Uh, It's the singer, her. And I'm only really shouting her out because I feel like the, the old adage that patience is a virtue, she has really, it's been a long time coming for the success and the acknowledgement that she's getting. And she's just handling it all with astounding grace. And it just really, like, lights my heart up. So, yeah, shout out to our cousin down the block, her. So, I mean, I guess as... Y'all heard. So much can be taken from these TV shows. They're not. They're not just episodes on TV for your entertainment. Like there, there are intentional lessons behind these shows, and some unintentional things that can be problematic. And sometimes they're just hidden gems. But that that is all to say that the black sitcom is so important for us to continue to analyze, even now. It's really wild to me that. And I, I guess it comes, you know, wisdom comes with age, but things I would never have dreamed of unlocking, even in this one episode, even in just like looking back in my downtime, it's just crazy. All the things that have always been there that we're just not seeing with some fresh eyes. It's a matter of asking the right questions, not looking for a definitive answer, but I don't you, you know you've asked a good question when you are left with more questions. So that was it for our first episode of Click, brought to you by Black Box Studios. Be sure to join us next week, where we will be devoting an entire episode to discussing Black feminism as it relates to the Black sitcom. I'm Maddie O. And I'm Jake Kills. And we hope to see you again soon. All right. Closing out. (laughs) Cue the static. (laughs) You have been listening to Click. Brought to you by Blackbox Studios, and we'd just like to say, stay black. Thank you so much for tuning in to Click this week. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Click C L I K at Blackbox Studios.